In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, bark to people. Welcome, everyone. Today we are going to discuss another butt-whooping today about the Tennessee game. So let's just jump right in. Yeah, another big night for the dogs on Saturday nights. Probably not the first half that everybody wanted or anticipated. But once again, dogs come out roaring in the second half and just dominate. So. Um, well, let's let's start with you. What what were your I guess initial takeaways from the game, or, or what's the biggest thing you take away after the game Saturday night? Even though the first half was, I won't even really say bad. It was just really uneven. I mean, really, Tennessee had three plays that they had. I mean, we can talk about Trey Hill for an hour, but I won't harp on it. We had, had the bad snap for the touchdown, and then the two long pass plays, one after the fourth down. I mean, they didn't have a sustained drive all game. So, I mean, the defense, other than the two, t- two touchdown passes, um, which, again, I could harp on Daniels, uh, or Daniel all game, all, all hour as well. I don't know what's up with Daniel this year. He just looks off. Um, I, the, the touchdown, he was in position, and I know there was a slight push off, but his attempt at the pass just looked lazy. I, maybe that's not the right word. I don't know. Just, he just looks off this year. So, but I mean, I, the defense was lights out. Uh, the offensive line, the right side shuffling again. You know, same thing against Arkansas. Um, you know, the right side looked bad in the first half. They shuffled. They looked good in the second half against Auburn. The whole offensive line looked great. Same thing first half of this game. Right side looked bad. Cleveland looked bad. McClendon looked good. They put Erickson in in the second half. The right side of the offensive line started to solidify. Everything started to open up. Um, but um, the story that day was the defense. Defense played great pretty much the entire game other than those two pass plays. And, I mean, Guarantano really had no shot in the second half at all on any of his passes. Every drop back was, it was, he was running for his life. And I think it was um, Nestler even said it. You know, he was just running for his life every single pass play. Big takeaway for me, and this is becoming the big takeaway for the Georgia Bulldogs under Kirby Smart, is they are the best, well, one of the best, if not the best, third-quarter team in the country. Um, I, I don't think there is a better staff in America right now than Kirby Smart and his staff at making halftime adjustments. I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head from the time he took over in 16 to present day of what their performance is in the third quarter versus their opponent's performance. But it has to be dominating. I I just feel like they come out and own the third quarter more often than not. Um, Now, that's not to say that that's a good thing, I guess, because you you want them to own the the first half and the fourth quarter and all those things too. It's just you can always bank your money on the fact that they're going to come out in the third quarter and they'll have made some adjustments based on what happened in the first half that sets them up for good things to happen. Um, 
And it's not like the defense played bad in the first half. They certainly didn't. They were fantastic. Uh, swarm into the ball as they have all year. Everybody seemingly in the right position. Um, but boy, they came out in the third quarter and it was, I mean, Tennessee had no shot. They just were a step faster everywhere on the field and made some explosive plays. My only gripe with the third quarter, and I had texted you this when it happened, is you can't have two short field opportunities like the offense has after those turnovers and gain like two yards total. I mean, I had texted you. It made me nervous that even though they had taken the lead, to only get two field goals and to not move the ball at all after defense gets you phenomenal field position felt like a loss to me. Like that felt like a win for Tennessee. So that bothered me a little bit. Um, I thought the offense in general looked, I don't know. They just looked out of sorts. I don't know if it was the start with the snap and them being kind of tentative after that, or I, I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but they looked, they just looked off. I thought Stetson looked a little bit off. To his credit, he still made some plays, even though I didn't think he was really in rhythm. I mean, the run was – that was just him. I mean, that was him improvising and getting to the pylon. Great play. I thought the I thought the pass to Kiaris for the touchdown was a phenomenal play. He looks off everything to the left and then comes back to the middle and throws a strike to Kiaris. I thought that was fantastic. Um, but, yeah, I just thought they looked off. I, I want to talk about Zeus a little bit. I was texting you about it. but. It's getting to be where this this is a thing for me now. Like, there are other running backs on the roster that have been performing and making big plays, and Zeus has hands down had the most carries, and there's just been no explosiveness and no big plays, and I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? With Zeus, he's starting to remind me of – Chubb after Chubb came back from the the, um, the the bad knee injury, but he's reminding me of Chubb in specific games um, when the offensive line was terrible. Like when the offensive line plays well, like they did against Auburn, he's great. But remember when the offensive line was really bad, like against Nickel State, and it's like if he doesn't get to hit the hole running forward, it's a two yard gain at best. But if he is hit at the line. I mean, if he doesn't get to, like I said, if he doesn't get to hit the hole, like running forward, you know, we're not getting, we're not getting any push. If we're not getting any push, if the line's not doing his job, he's not going to make a play. You know what I mean? And that reminds me of Chubb when he was, when he was recovering from that, you know, that horrific knee injury when he was still trying to get his legs back. Like towards the end of the season, I mean, that whole offense that year was just, you know, terrible anyway. So I don't want to like harp on that, but. I mean, I don't know if you remember that that season. Just the offense, that the whole offense, like that season, they were getting no push, and it was like Chubb was like constantly, you know, running around like a chicken with his head cut off, just trying to find any movement whatsoever, and just basically constantly pounding his head against a brick wall. And I feel like that's kind of what Zeus is doing. Zeus isn't like it's not. I don't know if it's he's not seeing it or he's just not able to feel it. The right is maybe it's not the right word. It's just he's not. He's not getting where he needed to be like on the fourth down play like if he would have just speed to to make that that corner like on the fourth down play like or the third down play either one of them he could have made the corner and scored a touchdown and he just tried to like put his head down and just overpower everyone and i didn't quite understand that um and maybe that's him just you know this is his first time being full-time starter and he's just trying to find his way I, i'm not quite sure what it is um but i mean to your point I mean, it's been 
kind of beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, everyone else, when they get their hands on the ball, um, especially the third and fourth guys, I know Cook didn't play this week, but, you know, they're doing stuff. And you've been beating the Kenny McIntosh drum all, all, all year. But he looked great. Milton, other than the fumble, looked great. I mean, that run that he did where he basically, you know, broke like four tackles. I mean, that was classic, you know, Chubb all the way around, early Chubb and Chubb after the injury. Um, but I, something's got to give with Zeus. I mean, either – it's, you know, like I said, it's like he's running into a brick wall every single time. I mean, he does fall forward for positive yardage 90% of the time, but I mean, when it's only two yards every time, we can't be in second and eight, third and eight, third and seven every single, every time. I mean, you know, I know they're starting to say third and Stetson's becoming a thing because Stetson's great on third down. We can't constantly put our team in those positions because we're being stubborn and running Zeus straight up the middle every single time. Yeah, I, I would feel a little bit differently about it if the results were similar or the same when the other guys on the roster were running the football, but it's not been that right. And I know we can say, well, you know, the majority of Zeus's handoffs are between the tackles. And so he's getting bottled up between the middle and look, maybe that does have something to do with it. But I just feel like if you're carrying the ball 18 to 20 times, there ought to be at least a few where, I mean, at some point you've got to make a play. Right. And it just seems like whether it's Kenny or whether it's Kendall, they're making guys miss and they're making a play. I mean, Kendall Milton looks like a man possessed and it's getting to the point where I'm kind of ready to see it up front in the game. You know, like he's biding his time and he's kind of getting carries more in the second half, but I'm kind of ready to see him because to me, he does look a lot like Nick, like the way he runs and the way he's built. He's just powerful, and he just makes plays. And, yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm a Kenny McIntosh guy. Have been since he got his first run last season. I, I He just seems to be a guy that's going to make a play, whether it's on kickoff return, whether it's on a handoff, whether it is catching a football out of the backfield. He just seems to be a guy that has a knack for making plays. And I am the head and shoulders, no doubt about it, I am the driver of Kenny McIntosh bus, and uh, the door is open, folks. Everybody come aboard. Like, everybody get on the Kenny bus. He is a stud, and I think they need to play him, man. Like, he just makes plays. Um, how about Trey McKitty? I thought Trey McKitty had a good game. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, he looked great um, blocking. Uh, he looked great in his – I mean, I was really concerned about how he was going to look, you know, with the knee – in his route running, but I mean, he looked crisp in his cuts and everything. And I mean, there were a couple plays where he was open and Setson went other places. Um, I mean, Setson was still able to complete the pass, but I thought that, you know, if Setson would have, I mean, he doesn't really have the, the timing down with a lot of these guys yet. It's clear he has it with Kyrus, but you can tell he doesn't quite have it with everyone else yet. He has it with Kyrus and it's, it seems like he's got it pretty well down with Barton as well, but he doesn't have it down with um, George yet. And it clear, clear he doesn't have it down with, um, with McKitty, but um, I think once he starts to develop that, we'll start to see a little bit more uh, of that. But I mean, he was, he was, <laughs> I think it was on, I can't remember what play it was, but there was one play where he was wide open across the middle and he went somewhere else that would have been for six. And it was on one of those drives where we had to go for a field goal. Um, right. So we got one of the turnovers, but I mean, McKitty looked good. Um, glad to see him out there. The one thing I don't like about the fact that McKitty's playing is you didn't see Darnell hardly at all. I think I only saw him. Like maybe it was a good thing. We only I only noticed him 
like three or four times, which was one was the ticky tack offensive pass interference, which I didn't understand at all. That was one of the worst calls of the day. Um, but I, I don't want to see McKitty at the expense of our other two tight ends um, because I felt like the first two games we noticed the tight end a lot more in the passing game, whereas McKitty, I felt like we didn't see the passing to the tight ends at, as much this day without Darnell and John Fitzpatrick on the field as much. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the thing about George. That, that's becoming a story for me, too. Um, I think the expectation for everybody was that George was going to come out and have a big-time year, um, maybe possibly even be the dog's first 1,000-yard receiver since Terrence Edwards. Well, I guess the only other 1,000-yard receiver in program history except for Terrence Edwards. And to this point, Kiaris is the one on pace to, to hit that number. I mean – if he keeps playing like he's playing, yeah. he's going to have a 1,000 yards receiving. And maybe some of that is defenses are rolling coverages to George and all those things. And, and, I mean, that certainly has something to do with it, right? But to that point, I, we, they got to figure out some way to either scheme him open and get him the football. I mean, look, he's too talented not to be touching the football more. And what, he had two catches last night. And how many catches did he have against Auburn? Three? I mean – He's just not getting a ton of Great. balls. Yeah. It's not like you're going, oh, they tried to go to him here, or, oh, they missed him. Like, I, he's just he's just not getting a lot of and balls. And he's, he's not even getting tarped. Oh, he did a bit more in this game. I mean, he got underthrow on the pass interference. The deep ball is severely lacking, and it's something that was lacking last year as well. But this year it's a little bit a different reason why it's lacking. Um, he was targeted a little bit more this game, I felt like, than he was in Auburn. I felt like in Auburn, you know, he just – we were like, okay, we're just going to let them, you know, double George, and we're just going to kind of, you know, we're going to just go to Kyrus all day long. And But I felt like in this game, we targeted George, especially early on in the first half. We targeted him a lot more. Um, I think he had five targets in the first half, which I think it's more targets than he had maybe all game against Auburn. I think he only had four, maybe five targets all game against Auburn. Um, but it's, it's becoming – clearly evident that there's something off with timing with them and maybe that's just like I mean clearly there's also and you know he's gonna be running state he's gonna wear those those stadium stairs out because of the the stupid water bottle penalty that he did against Guarantano you know you got you're right you got to get in the passing game somehow we seem to get him the ball get him a wide receiver screen get the ball in his hands let him try to make a play you know something He's got to get involved in the offense somehow. Yeah, I mean, look, I, we got to talk about the water bottle thing. I, I, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. I mean, I, I just, I don't understand it. Like, well, why? What, what was, what was, what was there to gain from that? I, I just, it was so dumb. I mean, luckily, they won, and it didn't really, quote unquote, matter, even though it mattered at the time. Um, but. I mean, come on, man. Like, you can't do, like, you just, he can't do that. Like, I don't know. He, he just can't do it. And there's going to come a time where it is going to matter and it is going to have a negative effect on the ball game that, you know, they don't come back from. And that's what makes me nervous. Like, I, you want your best players to also be kind of one of your guys, right? One of the guys yeah. that, that the other players are looking to and saying, okay, this is the example we want to follow. And I think that's what's so beautiful about Kiaris' story, right, is that 
he's been one of the best, if not the best, offensive players, and he's also one of the the main leaders on the team and a, and a guy guys look at. And I've heard multiple guys be quoted as saying, man, you should see him work. Like he just works so hard and he's always in here doing the right things and all this, all this stuff. And I mean, George's talent is tantalizing, right? I, I think that's what is so frustrating is he's, he's got the NFL build and he's got all the tools and gosh, he just makes special plays. But then he does something like that and you go, I mean, George, what the, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't know. And I think they'll get it fixed, and I think Kirby will chew his ass out, and, you know, hopefully it's fixed moving forward. But, I mean, we need him. We're going to need him to get where we want to go, you know, as a program, which is to the mountaintop. You need a guy like him. You need a stud, and he is a stud. Um, Yeah, that, that concerned me a little bit. And, all right, I mean, we texted about it. I tweeted about it. We get we got to talk about Jalen getting getting the fat man fantasy, getting the big big fellow touchdown. I mean, that was the happiest <laughs> happiest part of the day for me. I was I was running around my house like a little kid. I was so fired up about that. Like loved that. I actually thought they were gonna dial it up before the half. I like looked at my yeah, wife and so I, did I they're gonna run they're gonna run they're gonna run play action hit Jalen right here. And then I mean you just you knew they had to have that in the playbook right like that had to be an option yeah. off of that set and. uh Part of me wondered if they were trying to keep it in the bag until Alabama. Um, just because, you know, you feel like that's something that, that's going to work and then now that they'll scheme for it. But I almost think it makes the set a little more dynamic because now you go, okay, we got to watch for this guy in the backfield. Like, is he going to block? Or, and I think it kind of keeps that defender on his heels a little bit instead of coming meeting the block going, well, is he just going to swim me and go out into the, into the flat and catch a touchdown pass? But. Probably my favorite part about it was the entire D line running down to celebrate with him. And I know it pissed Kirby off and I know they got a penalty about it and he's sensitive to it because of what happened against Tennessee in 2016. And I get all that. Like those are all the things a coach is supposed to say, but just from a culture perspective, I love that the D line was so hyped up that their boy got a touchdown. Like I loved that. Part of it is it shows extremely athletic to be in this package to begin with, but the linebacker that came up there hit him in the hip and should have realistically knocked him down. Basically, he bounced off him, kept his balance because he's such a freak athlete, and still managed to catch it at the two and then get in. It wasn't like this was one where he's like just standing in the end zone, wide butt naked open, and caught a like, you know, rainbow like punt to him. This was an athletic play for a big man. Like and I think that's what kind of gets lost in this. This isn't just a regular big man touchdown. This was an athletic play big man touchdown, which you don't see very often. This guy is a freak of nature. And we'll be just, it was happening. I was losing my mind. So stoked. So happy for him. Now, can't wait to see, you know, Jordan do it. And I think Jordan will get one before the year's out. Like, I'm waiting for that. Um, and, I mean, really, if you, I went back and watched the play. McKitty got um, McKitty fell on that play when he came out of his break. Like he got like it, feet tangled up with the defender. Really, Carter was the only option on that. If he didn't throw it to Carter, he was gonna have Bennett was gonna have to throw it away, um, or throw it in the you know triple coverage once McKitty got up. So I mean that was a big play in the game right there. That pretty much you know sealed it because the defense was just playing lights out at that point. That's a great point about McKitty. I, I actually think that was the first look, and I think that's where Stetson was going 
because you see him kind of double clutch and then like be like, oh, what am I going to do now? And then he comes back to hit Jalen. But, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure Trey is the first option on that play. And Stetson kind of like grabbed the ball back. Like, oh, boy, uh, can't go there. So, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting set. And I think they're going to continue to do fun things with that. Um, uh, Coach Munkin's done some creative stuff so far, and I, I've loved it. And I, I'm excited to see how that continues to play out. Speaking of freaks, and Jalen is absolutely a freak, but let's talk about the original freak, Tyreek the Freak. I mean, he had another really good game, I thought, had some really big plays, and I thought especially at the beginning of the game brought a lot of energy. And, man, that, that defense is just full of dudes. I mean, dudes at every position. It's fantastic. The depth is there. Channing Tendall c- comes in and gets two sacks at the end of the game. I mean, I don't know, dude. Just uh, They're just loaded. That D is just loaded. And it just shows you how loaded they are that someone like Channing Tindall can't get regular snaps when the game is, it, you know, in the beginning of the game or the game is in doubt or it's, you know, close, that he can only get in and mop up duty. That he, and he is such an athletic freak. And he is so talented. And he can't get on the field. That, you know. Same thing with Clay Walker. Like, Clay Walker actually got some playing time early in the game. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, but he got a lot of playing time. But, I mean, really the story for me today, I mean, I know, you know, everybody loved the Monty Rice scoop and score, but Aziz is just coming into his own this season. He is having – he's the first real D lineman that we – D end that we've seen, like, really kind of take off that Kirby has had at Georgia, like, really just that he brought in. He's developed at Georgia just kind of just take off so far. And I love seeing it. And, man, he is really becoming the guy. Like, teams are going to have to start scheming for him because he is becoming unblockable. Yeah, I just got announced this morning he was the uh, SEC defensive lineman of the week. So I think that's that's just another step in his maturation and and his on-field play. And – yeah, he seems like a guy, too, that everybody really likes and really respects, which he loved that. thought Malik Herring had a good game. thought Devontae Wyatt had a really disruptive game. Um, I thought he played really well. D-line played great. That D-line is, I think, thus far the un- unsung unit of the team. I mean, they have dominated in all three games and played really, really well. Uh, Jake Camarda also has another good game, had a monster punt. When the dogs were pinned deep, it was what it was like 63, 64 yards, something like that. Um, Jackpot Lesney has a huge game. I mean, hits an absolute mammoth field goal from 50 plus yards. Look, I think if if anything, that was a that was a spot we were nervous about going into this is what was going to happen at the kick, kicker position with Top Rod being an indie now. And I mean, dude, Jack's looked all right so far. And if that can stay steady. That makes this team real scary because they just don't have a ton of holes otherwise. And if, if that's not something we got to worry about and think about, feel pretty, pretty good about how things are going to shape up um, moving forward. And, I mean, look, uh, we have talked about this a little bit off, off the air, like not on our shows, but I think this is one of those teams where if the offense can just be average, that defense is good enough to win it all. I mean, I, I really do feel that way. I just don't – I don't think there's an offense like LSU's out there, and that's really the only offense that has made this defense look human. And so 
I just think the way this year is set up and with what we've seen thus far, the defense could really carry them to a national title if the offense could just be average. And I think they've been above average so far. Um, I mean, they've, they've done some really good things, and I think they can continue to grow and build, and, and they, can, they can be great. Um, but, but that defense is otherworldly, man. They're just special, really, really special. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it, you know, off air, on air. Like, I remember when, you know, when we weren't sure if there was going to be a season and you constantly texting it how, you know, just pissed off you were going to be because you were so hyped up for the defense. And I was too. And they're proving both of us, both of that hype, both of our feelings and our hype right through three games. And it is just to see them gel as a unit. And it's not just 11. It is, you know, 22, 26 guys that just they believe in each other. They have complete faith in each other. You know, even when, you know, one of them gives up a big play and it's, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, they're right there behind them. And, you know, they give up a touchdown, you know, 37, 29-yard touchdown. It doesn't matter. They're right back out there in that play, coming out, creating havoc, and they believe in each other. Um, but the defense has been spectacular three games. The special teams has been spectacular. And there's one thing I want to bring about the special teams. Have you, and I'm pretty sure you've noticed this, and I'm pretty sure it makes you just as nervous as I do. On pump returns, Kieran's has saved so many yards by picking up the ball on those hops. Makes me nervous every single time he does it, but he is saving, you know, 15 to 25 yards every single time because those balls would roll a lot. And he's saving field position. Last year, that wasn't happening, probably by design because he was being told to let him go. This year, he has the trust of Kirby, and maybe that comes from Cochran a little bit bringing him in as special teams coach that, you know, Cochran's gotten in Kirby's ear and basically well, I just let this guy kid do what he, you know, can because he can save us these yards. But, I mean, he is safe in field position left and right, and that has paid, paid huge dividends for the offense, you know, with these short fields. Yeah, so many hidden yards there, and you're right, man. I, like, hyperventilate every time he goes to do it because I can see it. I can literally see his brain processing it as it's happening. And I get so nervous, I, like, tense up, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then until he's, like, on the ground and they blow the whistle, I'm having a small panic attack. But you're right. In the scheme of things, he's saving tons of yards and starting the offense off in better positions than they would be otherwise. Um, And, again, uh, to your point, I think that's a lot about trust. I mean, I think he is probably the most trusted person by the coaching staff on the offensive side of the football. I mean, and he's earned that. He has played phenomenal. He looks like he wants the ball in crunch time. He looks like he wants the ball um, at all times, and you got to love that. I mean, uh, his his story, his emergence has been, for me, one of the stories of the early season, and, and I'm thrilled for him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think moving forward, the continued solid play of the special teams is going to play huge into this going forward because the more plays they can make, whether it be Kamarder or whether it be Pudlesny or whether it be Kiaris or whether it be Kenny or whoever it may be, return game, uh, coverage game, any, any of those things, they're all adding up to a complete football team and a, and a team that I think is, is on the path to some good things. So, well, hey, man, I mean, I think we got a lot to be excited about moving forward, and obviously a monster game coming up Saturday night. We'll, we'll have that previewed for you all later in the week. But um, I'm excited about how this team looks and, and where things seem to be pointed as we move forward. You got anything else this week, brother? 
No, the, I think we're good for this week, and we got the big, you know, big showdown with Bama coming up on Saturday night, you know, in prime time. But you know, I'm just gonna enjoy this win over that ugly, ugly orange, and you know, just as always, man, you know, go dogs. Yeah, man, go dogs, sick them. Hey, George is better now. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.